Hey, you're listening to Origin Point, where we explore the stories of Inception. This is episode 14, where we speak with maker and podcaster Keith Deason. We take a listen to how Keith was inspired to research and vocalize his interest on his podcast, From the Ground Up. There, he takes a deep dive into how we make what we make, the tools, materials, and stories behind the things we build. As always, we'd love to hear from our listeners. If you have any guests or topic suggestions, just leave it on our Patreon discussion page. All right, Keith, well, uh, for an icebreaker, we start off with like all of our guests. It's kind of generic. Um, we start off with what's your mode of transportation? Uh, right now, I'm driving a Ram 1500 pickup from 2014. Uh, I was driving a Jeep that I had for 10 years, 11 years before that, but it was uh, past its time. <laughs> it started it started getting leaks in the doors, and like I would come back from like a rainstorm, and there'd be a giant puddle <laughs> on the backseat floor. And that's, you know, not so great when you have kids who have to sit back there, and you got projects. Like, I always leave tools in my car. Yeah, I'm a mess, and I, I need a car that's not going to flood. I understand that. <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say it's nice to have a pickup truck, except for right now, right now the bed is full of snow, so I can't really drive anything around in it. You get a camper. Yeah, I'm actually that's what I'm planning to build a camper. It should be fun. That's like Ben's dream plan is to make a his own teardrop camper. Yeah, I want, I want to make like a little like uh, I don't know. I just want to make it look cool for the back of the truck, just a just a shell that I can put on there, so I can do stuff like drive to the shows in Atlanta and stuff, and not have to worry about a hotel. I just sleep in a Walmart parking lot in the back of the truck. That's the way to do it. So we know you from such classics as Dead Edge Lamp hand tools, quote unquote, (laughs) and your podcast from the ground up. How would you best describe yourself and your endeavors to our audience? Oh, uh, I come up with weird ideas and then I try to make them happen. (laughs) Like that's pretty much most of it. And it's usually building stuff, making stuff. And the podcast is the newest thing. I didn't think I'd be doing a podcast, but just kind of got interested in it and it took off and here, here I am. How'd you get your artistic start? Uh, I've been a creative person since I was a kid. I used to draw comic book covers, and, and then I started drawing my own comic books, which are basically just ripoffs of other comic books. Then I started doing more cartoony illustration kind of comics, and I uh, got started doing graphic design after that. Uh, then that became a profession, pr- programming graphic design. Then that profession became intolerably awful. <laughs> and then uh, sorry, I moved on from there. When people stopped paying me money and uh, started just doing some manual labor jobs and realized I really liked building things. And... Uh, been doing that since did you ever think that you would dive into content creation and podcasting or is that always part of the plan i had no idea um i was i like a lot of people stumbled across jimmy duress's channel and i was like oh like i could do that like a lot of people <laughs> and uh, so my first couple of videos are just hands videos making a couple like uh money clips out of rulers and stuff like that and I just made the videos because I was like, why not? Like no one else has made a video for this and i feel like at least i could put something out into the world that no one else has done yet like I like putting out a fresh idea, getting something that could inspire somebody to do something better than I can. Makes sense. What was the earliest piece you were ever commissioned to kind of make? Oh, the earliest commission? Um, man, probably a pallet wine rack, which I wasn't too excited about because they're, you know, <laughs> but it was paying. It was a little different, though, because the guy wanted it to be like double the size of a normal pallet wine rack. So I had to actually kind of splice the bottom of the two pallets together. And that was like my first learning experience. And it looks easy, but it might not be that easy. And from there, I got a lot of commissions uh, throughout the years. And I just kind of closed the door recently to commissions. I don't do that. I don't I'm not doing client work anymore because I was I had a, a growing list of things that I wanted to make and things I thought would be a lot of fun a lot, and really cool and valuable. But I couldn't get to them because I'm making, you know, sliding barn doors and floating shelves to keep. Uh, keep the roof over my head so but the content creation has actually allowed me to get a little more revenue from the side so i can kind of move away from that a little more and into uh you know 
actually making fun stuff like hand plane ice skates and uh yeah i have a lot of <laughs> i was just i was just looking at the list earlier it's gonna be a fun year <laughs> it really seems like it so looking back at like your your landscape of work what's been your favorite project to date uh probably the guitar which is <laughs> right behind my head right now i um, love that thing man it's I, so cool I, I love it a lot it's actually the video's done really well um as long as you're not a guitar nerd <laughs> you, you people kind of <laughs> tend to like it it doesn't sound great. I, I, you know, I made it from scratch. So it was, I mean, I built the pickup out of junk. I made the whole thing out of plywood and there was a lot of, uh, a lot of trial and error things. I know I would have done differently the second time and there will be a second. It doesn't sound, it sounds great for about 30 seconds and it kind of walks itself out of tune. So I got some work to do. So this year I'm going to actually be taking it to other makers shops, uh, who have better equipment than me and a little more knowledge and getting, getting completely professionalized and, and finished off with some help. That's so awesome. I, I think my favorite part of that project too was you actually figuring out like how the mechanics of a pickup actually work and yeah, and, no and no kind of experimenting off. with that. Yeah, I, I was like, okay, so we've seen Tim Sway do this, but he's mm -hmm. he's actually a professional guitar maker. Yeah, but, so he knows it what was, he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was yeah. really interesting to see someone that was completely novice with it. To, sitting down and figuring out like what's the science behind this and how does this work and it was fun and the first time it made noise after i built it i was like <laughs> you know i was crap my pants yeah <laughs> i was like this actually worked i really liked the the pattern that you had on that too with the uh with that plywood i just yep. that was just really cool i like that a lot I'm, i want to use that for so many future things it's that was such a weird flyby like i don't remember where in the process it came in i was just like the whole thing's made out of plywood it needs to not just look like an entirely plywood guitar there's got to be some aesthetic mm -hmm. choice that makes it look you know like i put a little more effort into it than just laminating plywood <laughs> into a guitar shape and so yeah i did the 3d kind of pyramid inlay which it was supposed to originally be covered by a uh, pick guard that was uh, plexiglass i still might do that but mm -hmm. I, it was i made the cut i made that in about three days that guitar so it wasn't uh it was because it was done for the the uh, plywood challenge or rockler rockler plywood challenge or whatever it was called so it was built something out of oh, plywood yeah, yeah. and i was like everyone's gonna build furniture i don't want to build furniture i'm gonna build an electric guitar because i've always wanted to make one so that's a lot to figure out in three days Yes, it was. Um, I had experience with uh, some of the pickup stuff because I built cigar box guitars before. And I knew that you could take, you know, like headphones and the inside of headphones can be used as like a piezo pickup and can transfer. Um, like if you plug your headphones into your microphone slot and yell into your headphones, it doesn't sound good, but the sound travels through. And some older vintage headphones actually have like, they're essentially like a guitar pickup. They're a wound copper coil around a magnet with a plate and two, two leads. So I was like, okay, I can use that and basically build a bigger version of that. Uh, and that's that's what I did. I just took the inside of some old headphones I had from the 70s and just made it larger. The fact that it, sound, it makes sound at all was like really, really nice because that would have been a really boring video if at the end I'm like, and it doesn't work. <laughs> Tune in next time. Yeah. Maybe I'll figure it out. <laughs> Maybe next time. Tune in next time. <laughs> the 10-part se series of me just trying to get a <laughs> pickup to work. It wouldn't, you wouldn't be the first oh, one to do that. No, I know, but... <laughs> It would be my last video, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so with all that research um, and other research that you've done for from the ground up, what's the most like interesting fact that you've come across? Oh, man. There's so many. Uh, I could tell you a recent fun one that was cool was the um, – I've been doing – I was researching uh, – in, in America, for some reason, historically, a lot of things are made of silver instead of like in, in England and, and colonial like uh, Europe. A lot of stuff is gold. That's ceremonial. Uh, but we use a lot of silver here. So I've been doing a lot of research into why and the history of it. And there's something called the Mace of the House of U.S. Representatives, 
which is literally a giant silver mace with an ebony handle that they use to enforce, like the sergeant at arms of the House of Representatives uses it to enforce his his authority. So if someone's being rowdy and they got to be let, taken out of the place, out of the out of the house, and uh, they're not listening, they get to present the mace, which has only been done a few times. They take this big thing off the pedestal and they walk it over to them and they put it down in front of their face, and they've been presented with the mace. What? Yeah. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering like how many steps until they get beamed with the mace. <laughs> like, oh they, you know? But it was really cool. And I was like, that's just one of the wackiest things I've ever heard in my life. And it turns out parliaments all over the place have them as just like a symbol of authority. And it's like, okay. So that was just a weird fun. I'm going to be doing an episode that's going to have that in it. That's um, so that's funny. Cool. That's like when yeah. you're a kid and, and you're in those team groups and you get the, the baton to be able to like the, the speak. The speaking stick, yeah. It's, it's like the Yeah, except this one's the shut up pole. <laughs> yeah, it's the inverse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you still talking? <laughs> it just sounds like you're uh, you're describing like a tree clubhouse, and it's like you know they have the mace just like on the wall. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey man, yeah. If you don't, if you don't listen, you don't listen I'm gonna go. <laughs> you're gonna get that. We're gonna present the mace. It was it was just funny because it was like I was watching an old meeting on C-SPAN from like 1994 where somebody was being called off the floor because they were interrupting or whatever, and the speaker just said something, and she she, she was like, oh, I need to start some arms to remove. Um, you know, the representative and she wouldn't go. And then she goes, I was about to present the mace. And I stopped and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean present the mace? And I just like typed house and representatives present the mace into Google. And it was like, oh man, <laughs> there's a is whole this, thing here. Is this thing like really ornate or is it it's just pretty like ornate? Big, yeah. It's, it's yeah. a solid silver globe on top with an Eagle on top of it. And then the, the handle is uh, 13 ebony uh, rods band, bound with silver. It looks really nice. Apparently, there was a first one that got lost, and there's no descriptions of it. It got lost in a fire when the British burned down the, uh, you know, Washington D.C. Basically, yeah. And then well, that sounds like a new project for you, possibly. Oh, build my own <laughs> Mace of the United States. I yeah. was trying to find. They replaced it with just a wooden one for 25 years. They just had a wooden club that was painted, and I was trying to. Find, I'm, I'm still trying to find where that is. Like, uh, I haven't. There's no record of it being anywhere, being kept anywhere, being saved. I wonder if it's at the Smithsonian. Uh, who knows? But then they got a silversmith who was, there's some politically connected silversmith that was like a super rich guy from political connections and he just made them a new mace. Wow. That's pretty intense. Yeah. There's so much weird stuff you find out, like just researching one thing and I go into the rabbit hole super hard and just go full full on. It's great. It's like stuff I do anyway, but now I'm sort of doing it as a job kind of, so. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's always great when your aspirations kind of parlay into something that you can actually make a living from or even partially a living from. So Yeah, I mean it's, Wikipedia surfing it's so much fun. Wikipedia surfing professionally. Like <laughs> Man, if only my teachers in high school knew that we could be a job. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, that's what we're doing. We're trying to show that you can do that. Yeah, the trick is not the trick is not to use the Wikipedia article itself as any sort of source. You got to go all the way down to the bottom to their yeah. to their primary sources and then find yeah. those. And those are where the really wonderful stuff is that you don't even know about, right. like because you know you get the general information and then the weird quirky stories and the weird people and all that kind of stuff is all down in the in the links at the bottom. Well, I definitely think you need to take a mace with you when you go <laughs> to Atlanta in your camper. <laughs> the maker maybe, mace, yeah, the maker mace. Present the mace. <laughs> Someone gets out of line during a talk. Is there a um, a collaboration that's a, a dream collaboration for you, whether it's with your podcast or with your YouTube? Um, 
I mean, yeah, lots. I would love to, like, you know, everybody would love to work with, like, Adam Savage and stuff like that. I think that there's anybody. I like working with anybody. Like, I think it would be fun. Um, I plan to have a lot of people on the podcast as much as I can, but it's tough because you got to have people who are an expert in what they're talking about. And most of us are just people who are good at making stuff that I know. So it's like I have to start making cold calls to weird, <laughs> weird places. Like, I have to try to see if I can get a hold of the sergeant of arms of the House of Representatives and see if he wants to talk about the mace. Like, I don't know if he's going to talk to me or not, but I'm going to call him and say, you know, probably not. But he's also the head of the Capitol Police Force. So it's kind of like uh, he might have stuff to do. He's got he's got maces to present. Maybe you, you could find a retired presenter. Yeah, well, there was an interview with a guy back in the 90s that, that was, it's a pretty good interview, but I was hoping to more get a first-hand source so I can ask a couple questions that C-SPAN didn't think about. I really want to know how heavy, because of solid silver and ebony, it's got to be heavy. Well, I heard that you you did have a couple of guests on your mm -hmm. Yeah, my first episode, I had, Paul, I had Paul Jackman, because I knew he'd say yes. Uh, <laughs> and also, it, it, was about, it, was, it was about, yeah, it works for me. It was about pallets. Uh, he would be the, the resident uh, pallet expert, I would Oh, yeah. It was also at the height of that little controversy he had where he had made the shot, shot glasses out of pallet wood and people mm. were like freaking out about like, drink out of that, you're going to die. And the whole first episode's about whether or not pallets are like how dangerous they really are. And it was he was easy. And Tim made total sense because I did the um, that was one of the best episodes I did was, was had Tim at the end because it was the um, the red special, which was Brian made the guitarist from Queen made a guitar with his dad out of reclaimed materials in their, you know, uh, that was the main inspiration I had for building the electric guitar in the first place. Awesome. But it was a good story because it was a father and son tale, you know, and like uh, bonding and, and tragedy and reconciliation and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, Tim works with his son also, and he makes guitars. So it's really nobody better to talk to about this episode than him. So it worked out. That's awesome. And he, we, he and I talked probably, I don't know, I had probably like an hour of, I had to cut down like an hour of interview. <laughs> To like four minutes. That ha that happens a lot when you have such common interests, and then you sit down and you're like, oh, "Okay, yeah. let's talk about this one thing," because we're definitely going to end up, you know, talking for the next four hours about this other thing or these, you know, series of other things. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you just end up just talking afterwards. Like that was what happened with Paul too. Like we just ended up, like you know, BSing with each other after the uh, the interview after I got everything I needed out of him. Yeah, that's that's happened to us a number of times where it's like, oh yeah, three hours later, maybe we should. Uh... We're yeah. going to have to chop this up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, have fun, have fun editing that. <laughs> <laughs> Live and learn. So uh, how early on did you decide to start like cataloging your uh, your journey on YouTube? Um, Pretty early into it, uh, into making stuff. I guess about five years ago, I started uh, building stuff. Six years ago now, I started just putting stuff together and building stuff, selling it at flea markets and uh, on online and Etsy. And then by two years after that is when I, I think I just got my, my, the memory popped up on Facebook or something like that for my first, the first YouTube video. And I think it was like last week, four years ago. When you started doing your YouTube videos, you've, you've already mentioned Jimmy Duresta, which is, you know, I mean, he's everyone's first, he's everyone's like, yeah. Yeah. first introduction to making videos, right? Who else were your biggest influencers? Oh man, there wasn't a whole lot going on back then on YouTube people making stuff it was norm abrams had uh, paul sellers had a bunch of youtube videos out steve ramsey obviously he's another one that everyone knows i started watching paul jackman's because he was another guy working in the basement that was shorter than he was so he and i bonded over that yeah it's all, all the, the usual suspects really like you know it's i, I kind of take whatever i can find whether it's if it's one video by one person i'll watch you know that the rest of their channel or something like that or i get um yeah, I, I, I visit as many channels, as many different styles of video making and all that kind of stuff as I can. So it's all over the place. 
are there any influences that come like outside of the sphere of like makers on YouTube? You know, like something crazy, like a skateboard channel or something like that that you watch? Um, yeah, uh, lots of music channels because okay. they're good at improvisation and they're good at setting up a story where there is no story to be told. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, um, certain things like um, I'm trying to think now, animation people who do good animations because you get a good sense of framing and composition from someone who can invent it from scratch in a video sense and it helps because you get to think outside of your actual 3d world and say here's how i want something to look and how like this guy can invent that i can't actually film something like that but how can i get as close as i can it's a good source of inspiration when you when you have somebody that has the same end product of you but a completely different process to get there you know are you using any other social media for inspiration like instagram or twitch oh yeah uh, everything. Um, Instagram is huge for me because that's where most of my followers are. And I get a lot of inspiration from there, but it's kind of getting kind of blah over there too. There's, it's getting very samey. You're seeing a lot of the viral stuff and not a lot of the innovative stuff over there anymore. Uh, Facebook is kind of whatever. The groups are fun. I, I use that for connecting with people. I've been on TikTok, which is a weird thing to say because it's a, an app where teenagers lip sync and dance to stuff. But there's a growing population of creatives and artists and, and uh, makers and things on there. This is the first time I'm telling anybody actually that, I, that I've been using that app because I've been trying to build a following before anybody figures it out. Um, but it's been fun. I, I kind of been doing like a social media social experiment with a few other makers, seeing what works over there, what doesn't. It's, it's a different atmosphere, but it's a, it's a video. It's a, it's, serve, it's a platform that serves video, 15 seconds to a minute. And you get to put everything in there, and it's there's no other extraneous nonsense. It's just hashtags and videos and and music, and that's it. And it's really fun to be there and see what people do with that setup, with those kind of restrictions, how the creativity flows that way. Versus Instagram, which is which is a lot more loose, and there's a lot less. It's not like structure because it's all memes, so everyone's feeding off each other on TikTok. Whereas Instagram, everyone's trying to do their own thing for the most part. It's less collaborative, I guess. And TikTok is very collaborative, which it's very strange. I've been getting a lot of weird insp inspiration from that about weird stuff. Um, a lot of just general inspiration for being creative in general. You know, you see kids like uh, it, you'd have to go on the app and actually look and see what people are doing over there because it's it's a it gets a little creepy sometimes, but it's also I've seen people yeah, review it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've seen some of that. It's interesting. I never would have thought TikTok. It's it's coming around. I think we're going to get a lot of us old people over there pretty soon ruining it for the kids. <laughs> Isn't that any social so. media, though? Like It's like, ah, I don't want to. Yeah, that's what happens. It's, I don't it's, friend it's, my it's, mom it's, on Facebook, and then now it's like, that's where you find. <laughs> that's how you, how you get in touch with your mom. Or I do most of the time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's how I stay in touch. Yeah. Or how she stays in touch with me. Yeah. But yeah, on TikTok, there's probably, I've, I've run across 20 to 30 makers on that on that oh, platform awesome. of like th of like 30 million people or whatever it is. So get get your get your get your foot in the door now if you want. <laughs> I just heard about you live as well. Apparently, that's like it's very similar to YouTube, but it, uh, more like Twitch in the mm -hmm. regard of like being being a live streaming service. Never heard of it. Yeah, before. one's been around, that one that one's been around for a while. Um, I really like Twitch, but I watch Twitch is mostly gaming, so I watch it for people doing. I like the professional video gamers. They actually just implemented a uh, like a makers and crafting section about a month ago, two months ago. Oh, really? They, yeah. had, they had creative before that. Mm -hmm. I know that. That's cool. Makers and I'll have to check it out again. I used to stream on Twitch, but it was setting it all up was just kind of a whole thing. And my the way I work isn't really conduct conducive to stopping and talking to people. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. kind of keep going. I just like I do like four hours of work in three hours and then, you know, 
Yeah, I, I was actually shocked. I went on there one day and I saw that they had a makers and in, in, uh, makers and crafting or something like that, and I was like, ah, oh, that's really cool. They're actually like show, showing that they're interested in the uh, the creative live streamers. Um, so where is your studio located? So where is your studio located? Ah, it is in my basement and part of my living room right over here in Beacon, New York, which is Hudson Valley. It's about 60 miles north of New York City. And I grew up in Yonkers, which is just outside of New York City. So I've been here kind of my whole life. How do you come up with your episode ideas? Or is it just one of those things you like, hear something and you're like, oh, let's find out more about this. I just, it's just asking questions basically that I don't know the answers to and then trying to figure out if the answer is anything interesting. Like, you know, looking at something and be like, where'd that come from, you know? Or why is this like this? And, or who did that, you know? And then figuring out, working backwards. And I really love reading the stories behind everything. And then the stories of how, you know, the kind of like through the timeline of it being affected by different events, you know, not necessarily just one person's journey from making something all the way to the end of invention, but also the um, having, you know, how this event in another country, this one guy figured something out and this other guy picked it up from there and they all brought it together. And that's the kind of stuff I really like digging into. Like, uh, I did that with the bronze episode, which was fun. I mean, some things are just, are they make sense. Like, it's like, okay, bronze. I can do, do I can do 20 minutes on where bronze came from or why bronze is important or whatever. And then some really weirdly specific stuff like the, the, the mace. And if I see an article sometimes, uh, like I saw an article about Brian May's guitar and I had no idea that he built it and I dug into that and I was like, okay, that's perfect. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a really niche podcast in general, but then I like to keep it as open as I possibly can on top of that, like uh, subject matter wise and how I find everything. That way I can at least be free to explore different versions of how I can do the show in that way, as opposed to just like rambling off like a Wikipedia article every week about, you know, about this is how a hammer came to be. You know? I think your ice cream light is my favorite of your projects. I really like that. It was so dumb. <laughs> it's it so, so dumb but it's so awesome and it came out so cool yeah it was that was part of me going on the path to being like okay i can incorporate more of my weird artist self into what i'm making by doing like the, the ice cream light it serves no real purpose it's just a fun thing and uh, it looks really cool and it was a fun build and it didn't have to be like a mid-century modern piece of furniture that i added some sort of twist to it was just this useless thing that hangs up there and looks like a giant ice cream sandwich <laughs> So, <laughs> did yeah. it actually award you some business though like so, um, didn't someone some. order some ice cream stuff yeah or, there yeah, was right. there was um i did a few pieces and sold them off afterwards this this is for like a display my city does um second saturdays and uh they do windows on main street which is like you, everyone makes art for the windows in the stores on the main street i was doing i had a very lofty concept that i did not follow through on so it ended up just being ice cream with no explanation Tell us about anything that might be coming up for Keith Decent in uh, in the near future, and where folks can find you. Um, you can find me by googling Keith Decent on or searching it on any platform. I I'm, I jump on it and get my name as soon as I can. But YouTube is uh, is always a good one because that's where the long form videos are. So YouTube Keith Decent, Instagram is Keith Decent, TikTok is Keith Decent. <laughs> it's pretty simple to find everything but the podcast stuff coming up. <laughs> Everything but the podcast. The podcast is ftgupodcast.com from the ground up. And there's also an Instagram for that, which is like you have an Instagram for your podcast because you have to, I guess. But like, what do you post on the podcast Instagram? It's like, here's a show. I got a, I got a new episode coming out. Here's here's a picture of something that has something to do with it. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to use like clips from The Simpsons from now on because they've, they've covered every they've covered every pro, every subject ever. So I'm just going to like Google like Simpsons, you know, Mace of the House of U.S. Representatives and see if they got something. 
That's awesome. For a while, we were posting like little origin stories for like people and inventions and plans and things, and then it was like it was a lot of work. It's a lot. It's all, it's yeah. it came out strong having already. Did. <laughs> Yeah, you want to do it, and it seems like a great idea, but then you're like, no, when I'll pay somebody to do this sometime down the road, maybe, you yeah. know? I know, I wanted to do, like, behind-the-scenes stuff and, like, a lot more of, like, the things I couldn't include in the podcast or interesting little stories, but that's just, like, having an entirely other podcast <laughs> that I'll be making at the same time that no one is going to watch or listen to, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to work on the main one. Everyone likes the main one. I'm going to work on the podcast. I think I don't think anyone holds it holds it against me if I don't do extra work. Yeah, I think that what we've realized is um, in order to have a percentage of your audience that's interested in behind the scenes, you first have to have an audience. <laughs> yeah, that helps. And even that, and even yeah. that, honestly, it's still kind of a tough Yeah, so. and even then, it's still only I, a small percentage. <laughs> Yeah, I just started doing that for the pa- for the Patreons, the patrons for the podcast mm-hmm. is um well it's I have I have a combination Patreon page. It's, it's mine, but it's also for the podcast. <laughs> Cuz I was like I'm not running two separate pages. That's just weird. Um but yeah, I do I now I've added a show that is basically just me talking about the podcast that week, that episode for patrons and then it has um and I post, you know, interesting links from that week and that, all the stuff I wanted to do on the Instagram channel. I'm like I might as well do it to people who are giving me a little cash every week, so makes it a lot better are you posting your scripts and things so that people mm-hmm. have them to read yeah the website has um every episode is p- posted as both an episode with the soundcloud link and the script for the episode is on there awesome uh whether or not it's it, it actually what i say on the on air is different because i tend to improvise as i'm going sometimes uh skip words here and there realize that i something's a little too run on or whatever so, but it's pretty much almost verbatim every episode. So that helps. And it's nice for anybody who's hearing impaired. They can just go read it like a blog article. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yet I still won't do captions for my YouTube well- video. <laughs> <laughs> the results of allowing the, the, the YouTube to come up with the oh, that- closed captioning is pretty interesting for a lot of people. Those are hilarious. They used to be even better because they were not even close when it was like in beta or whatever. That was like, it's like those uh, bad lip reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I was watching. Uh, I guess you can edit them now. You can have them auto generate them, and then you just edit whatever looks mm-hmm. wrong. So that seems like a much more, you know. I think. Uh, I think it actually was Paul Jackman. He posted an Instagram story the other day about one, and it was mm-hmm. like the blabbering shows. <laughs> he was like, the, yeah, instead of the woodworking shows, like, which, a, which is like it's the same thing. <laughs> pretty, pretty apt. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> nailed it first try <laughs> really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us a little bit about your history and your from the ground up and keith decent's online presence <laughs> yeah thank you this has been fun if there's anything that you would say to our audience for people that might be interested in doing something similar to what you're doing or are interested in learning more history about tools or methodology, what would your suggestions be for them? Um, well, if you want to make a podcast or anything like I'm doing, just find a way that makes it something you want to do. Like eliminate all the, the, the crap you don't want to do about it and then slowly bring in the crap you don't want to do that's entirely necessary and then stop there. And then so it stays enjoyable and something that you can do. And that helps. Um, and then, uh, oh, learning about stuff is just deep diving on the internet. Like that's all it is. Can't really explain how to do that. Cause it's just something I've always liked to do, but that's, 
like I was saying, find something you like to do and then turn it into a podcast or a project or something like that. And, you know, hopefully other people are interested too. As I say, somebody out there somewhere is interested in what you're doing. You're just hoping they also have an internet connection and can find you. <laughs> yeah. And can find you. Exactly. Yeah. That's the other part. You're hoping there's not 10 other podcasting from the ground up that oops. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the things searching for the podcast is not easy because there's like four or five other ones. They're all dead podcasts, but they're like, you know, yeah. 40 episodes in. So they get like top billing. I'm like, okay, I'm working my way up there. You get there. Yeah. We've got such a huge community that is really interested in what you're doing and they're able to spread the word. Yeah, that helps a lot, actually. Like, uh, I mean, just the maker, that was the, the whole point of doing From the Ground Up in the first place was that there's a lot of podcasts out there in the makersphere that are just, you know, a panel show where everyone's sitting around talking and they're, they're great. I love every single one of them, but there was something that was missing. Uh, what I thought of was, I was like, there's no why behind any of it. You get a lot of how from shows and you get a lot of who from shows, but you don't get a lot of why things happened and when they happened, you know? So I was just going to try to fill that blank and it's been working out. I like it. I did some uh, like infotainment on a couple of edits with our project videos that were a lot of fun. And yeah. I totally can relate to your into the rabbit hole when I was doing, I think a year ago or two years ago, we did a Christmas thing for like making your own ornaments. And I was like, well, where, where did it ever come up that people were bringing dead trees into their house and mm -hmm. hanging ornaments on it? Like what? How did this even happen and why is it why is this established as a tradition yeah and it it just like went from it's why German. it started yeah yeah German, yeah. Right? yeah yeah Sounds why it started and then like why the ornaments were shaped the way that they were and then the, there was like a whole kind of mini war that was happening between countries because of the spread of this hobby to, to decorate trees and germany had the glass blowers and they had the the ability to create these ornaments in mass and in world war one you know germany was pretty much enemy number one so all these places that were so used to getting blown glass from germany suddenly <laughs> couldn't so they couldn't yeah. get new ornaments for their trees so people were like losing their minds over christmas ornaments that's it's crazy. crazy yeah i had um so i still have ornaments from the 30s from like depression era from my uh, great grandmother that were cards they used to print card christmas cards that you could punch out the um the characters on them and then put a hook through it and, and hang it on the tree as a little cardboard ornament because yeah it was, it was hard to get anything and no money and no blown glass and yeah yeah i'm trying now to work a little bit something i'm trying to go towards is working the um i started doing voiceover on my videos after i started doing the podcast because i was like you know okay this is not so bad i can at least talk to him i i don't like the way my voice sounds recorded but that's something everyone's everyone kind of deals with i think at some point yeah but I'm trying to figure out now a way to incorporate more of what I do with the podcast into my videos themselves. Same kind of thing. Like give a little history of something or some backstory to something or, you know, a little more edu educational content than I usually give. But not I don't want to sit there and talk about this is how you make a dovetail joint. I want to say like this is where this is why you use the dovetail joint. This is where it came from. This is scientifically how it holds better than a regular joint or something like that. As I say, I feel like you definitely have the edge on the, uh, the like where it came from because, you know, a lot there's so many different videos, even just on YouTube that show, you know, like how to make a dovetail or, you know, there's even video videos out there of like why it's scientifically stronger. You know, but definitely the history is something that's mm -hmm. lacking on a lot of a lot yeah. of different things. Exactly. Yeah. Like like I said, no no one really gets into the why of stuff. Yeah. Like why it's done that way or where where it came from, when it's from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It's like 
well, my pap did it this way. So I did it this way. And his grandfather before him did it that way. So all that tradition and methodology is completely lost. Or the, uh, the overarching, that's how you do woodworking excuse. You know, it's like, that's just what you do. <laughs> like, yeah. I hear yeah, that exactly. one so much. Oh, so it's what you do. It makes sense. It works. Yeah. yeah. It's what works. Exactly. You don't question it. You just do. <laughs> yeah. It's like glue application. Do you really have to put it on both pieces? <laughs> That'd be an interesting eight-minute episode of podcast. <laughs> you find out you need to put glue on. Except you, you, don't, like, you don't. You don't have to put glue on both. I was going to say, I feel like that would be something that... <laughs> Some people will argue with you. Yeah, I know they will. Yep. Didn't Andy, yeah, I mean, Andy Rawls did uh, a whole YouTube video of that, right? Where he, he tested out all the different, how strong different joints could be. Yeah, there's there's lots of those videos out there. A lot of, and Matthias, he's, he's infamous for doing those. And uh, they're always they're always great, but it's so funny because it's like, so if I put glue on one side of the board, it will hold for anything that could possibly happen to it. But if I put glue on both sides, it'll last through the apocalypse. <laughs> like, like, I think I'm gonna stick with putting glue on one side. I don't really need I don't need it to survive a media a meteor strike. You know, it breaks at 1,500 pounds. So. It's like, oh, okay, 1,500 pounds, huh? Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> I would I would have been fine with 15 pounds. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a good edge that you have on the on the why, the history of it. That's really cool because I think a lot of us do have that craving of like, you know, we, we hear all the, you know, scientifically why or, um, you know, like you said, the history of who who came up with it or who suggested that you do it that way but no, and people to show you that's how it's supposed to be. But nobody ever stops and thinks like, all right, where did this come from? Like, where did it originate and, and why did it become so popular? Yeah, it's usually a pretty interesting story. Sometimes it's really not an interesting story. Sometimes I've definitely been researching something and been like, "Well, that's the end of that. That's the end of that road." Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. At, I'm, I'm good at finding the the one thing I can latch onto that'll make it an interesting story. Like the crux is what I go mm -hmm. for. Um, that the, like the human element that brings people in. But sometimes it's just dry as hell. Sometimes it's just boring. You know, there's another podcast that I actually listen to, Tech Stuff, and I listen to it occasionally, but um, the episodes I really will hone in on and wait for the next one is um, when he starts talking about a company. Um, sometimes, like, he just did an episode series on RCA and, like, how it became RCA and, um, you know, yeah. how... It's a really... It, it's really cool, uh, the history of it and how yeah, it started. It's and then how RCA... And how RCA became basically NBC. Yeah, and how the, after that, like so yeah. they made NBC, ABC, and indirectly CBS. And I'm like, that's insane yeah. that that one company made all three of the major broadcast networks that we know now. And uh, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, the major broadcast networks. Yeah, yeah. So it, I feel like that's the that's one of those things that I can really get into. Yeah, I had a bit of that on one of the Armstrong's Tower episode, which was about the FM Tower that I saw that, that, that episode I wasn't sure about because I didn't want to use myself as the first, um, first-hand account, uh, and something that I usually try to keep pretty accurate. Um, but people liked it. I, I think I did it. Okay. But yeah, it's, uh, there was a lot of RCA, um, stuff in that one because it was all about radio waves. And it was the time TV was just hitting and FM had just kind of been invented and toyed with and experimented with. And yeah, I, I got. I, I ended up re reading a whole bunch of the history of RCA, and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. All right, cool. I'm gonna get going. All right, all right. Have a good afternoon and enjoy the non Super not Bowl game, not game. Yeah, <laughs> I will watch uh, Frank Howarth. He made a football. Did he make a football? 
Uh, yeah, people. I, I saw a tweet. It was uh, Twitter is always sending me because I don't get enough responses on Twitter. So now they just send me suggestions of things to look at. I'm like, I don't need these as notifications. Like, oh, Frank Howard did a thing. It's like Frank Howard is always doing a thing. Yeah, I get he it. Did, it. It turned out pretty cool. He actually screwed it up uh, at one point. So it was kind of interesting to see how he dealt with oh, the really? screw up. Wow. Yeah, he doesn't generally screw up. <laughs> so. I remember the last video I watched of him was uh, the eyeball, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll take it easy, man. All right, bye, guys. Bye. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Origin Point. If you'd like to check out more of this interview and others like it, head over to patreon.com forward slash origin point. We'd love to hear from you there and suggestions on who you'd like to hear us interview next. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and review us on your favorite platform. Thanks for listening.